Hey, yeah. We are Izzy. Bella. And Darren. And we are back with Prompted. Bella, you're here this time. I am here. I'm so <laughs> sorry I wasn't here last week. I was dying. Um, <laughs> we missed you. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad someone read my piece because um, I did. I, I was really, really upset that I couldn't come on to read it, so... Yeah, it was it was nice to still get it on there. <laughs> I apologise for mispronouncing a few of the words. I was told it's okay. Afterwards. I feel like I probably should have put the pronunciations next to them because, um, yeah, like they're not obvious pronunciations if you don't if you're not familiar with like Spanish or Italian or whatever. But yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we all loved it. So this week um, we've all been writing on the prompt. Bella, have you got the prompt up? I have. Um, so the prompt was. The dirt on the wall was thickly smeared with fingerprints scrabbling to climb upwards. And this prompt came from, this was one from Bella, so what's the context? Okay, so I have a notebook that I kind of write things in when I sort of notice and observe things around me. And I was going home um, for Christmas and I usually take um, the tube through London to get uh, to Kent. And um, while I was sort of at London Marylebone Station, um, I noticed that like, down on the tracks of the tube, like up the wall, like it was really thickly smeared with dirt, but it looked like there were hands like scraping oh. to come up, like fingerprints. And I was like, that's so strange. So I wrote it down in my notebook on the tube because I thought it was really, really weird. So there's not like a detailed context behind it, but I just thought it was a strange observation. I love I it when a prompt just is as creepy as it sounds. Like I was expecting you to just be like, oh, I don't know, like, I, there was just some stuff on my wall that I found or something like that. But that is really creepy. I was just wondering what happened on the tube that made someone sort of kind of pour their way up the wall. It was Someone or something. Something, yeah, Ooh. possibly. Which kind of makes sense because Erin did horror. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so what did... Well, I guess, yeah, Erin, how did you find the prompt? Um, I found it really fun. I... I don't actually like horror, so it was quite fun <laughs> to watch. Um, the first, the first horror movie I watched in quotation marks um, was one that I watched with my friend Lauren, who can attest to this. Um, I watched it with my back to the TV while writing a fantasy book because oh, I did Aaron. not want to watch it that much. <laughs> Fair enough. That's yeah. Horror <laughs> is scary, but <laughs> I'm quite a big horror fan. I quite like horror. I'm, this is so strange because I am very easily frightened, but I also really like horror. I don't know what it is that, like, I literally will sit there with my hands on my face trying not to watch it, but at the same time unable to to oh. not watch it. <laughs> so. I just remember watching The Woman in Black several times over because everyone at school was talking about horror movies and how... Um, the scariest horror movies that they'd all watched and I, I was about 12 or something like that and so they were like oh yeah we've watched this and it was an 18 and that means I'm really cool and I was like ah oh, they're really cool and the scary like when it, they came to ask me what the scariest horror movie I'd watched I said Harry Potter <laughs> and so I just went home and obviously in Harry Potter theme because the woman in black's got Daniel Radcliffe in it obviously we chose that one and then from then on I was cool obviously the um, book and the play are so much better sorry oh i loved seeing it in theater <laughs> i mean just quickly what what scares everyone most in horror movies like what's the one thing the one trope that you just can't stand when it could actually happen so when there's like not a ghost or anything um 
it could just like someone could just get into your house like that or something like that. I think that's the scariest thing. Whereas if it's a ghost or something like that, in like in The Woman in Black, then it's not as scary. I really can't stand the feeling that the people can't escape. Oh. Yeah. Like if they're trapped in a house, like that kind of claustrophobic feeling is awful. But what about you, Bella? I really hate dolls. Oh, that yeah. is creepy. Which I discovered in the worst possible way when I was on a date watching Annabelle. <laughs> um, and I, I almost wet myself. I was really, really, really scared. Um, and it was humiliating because the date was just kind of like, who, what is going on? She's just sitting there, like, curled into a ball, like, <laughs> trying, not, trying not to look at the screen. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, coming on to our pieces now. So, I think we agreed that my piece would go first to get it out of the way. Um, this piece is very much a first draft, um, but, you know, that's what life is like, isn't it? Life is just a first draft. There is <laughs> never a second first... draft. <laughs> Thanks, Bella, for making that into a good point. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so my genre that I picked, um, that like I picked out, um, was... Uh, it was like a memoir genre, which is interesting because I hadn't really thought of doing that that much. Um, and so this is sort of half memoir and then also with gaps filled in, that like the gaps of my memory filled in a little bit. So I'm sure not everything in this is true or whatever. That's my disclaimer at the start. So um, I think there's not a lot of dialogue here, so I think I'll just read it um, and we'll see how it goes. So it starts off with, It's either your daughter or the kitten. Choose one, the dermatologist says to mum. And time passes. Ben claws at the feet of my baby grow, and I steal his favourite spot, mum's lap. He settles for the sofa, and I reach to touch his soft fur. Red touching black, coarse touching soft. He purrs, probably because he's angry, but mum takes it as a sign of love. I giggle and scratch my skin. Time passes. Ben curls up next to me, listening intently while I teach him French. I mirror his pose and press my forehead to his. I can hear his thoughts. Leave that cat alone, Mum says. I tickle him behind the ear. His fur tickles back. Mum steps over us to put Izzy the Indigo Fairy back in my room. Lundy, that means Monday, see? Lundy, I repeat, then put my exercise book in front of his face. Green eyes study the pages with his left ear angled towards me. Come on, you'll get all allergic again. You're already scratching, Mum says, pointing to the raw skin on my fingers. I stop scratching and suck the blood from the splits in my skin. Mum disappears into the bathroom and comes back with plasters. I try to take them from her, but my fingers refuse to bend. Did you put your gloves on last night? She asks. I nod. Mum picks out little plasters for the split this for, uh, little plasters for the little splits and wraps the big ones around my big splits. Blood seeps into the cotton. A paw pats my arm. I bury my face in his fur. Time passes. I lie down in front of a dandelion clock and take a picture. It's round like the letter O. If I take a picture of something that looks like every letter in the alphabet, I can sell the photos at the markets and be really rich. My favourite thing about my camera is that it's purple. I press the little button on the right of the camera and again and again. Different hues and filters pop up on the screen. 
Negative makes the world look haunted. Ben runs to join me. The black slits in his eyes narrow in the sunlight. He, leaps, he leads me up the path and takes me through a gap in the fence. I take my camera and film him walking from above. He's a ghost, gliding below me, taking me to his hidden treasures. Time passes. Peter Pan taps at my window. I know it's him because his shadow has already invited itself inside. I throw my curtains open, and there he is, dressed in green, flying. I grab my coat and fumble with the zip. Can I have some pixie dust? He ties the feet of his shadow onto his ankles. You can't go on this venture with pixie dust alone. I know, but I already have the faith and trust, I say. I throw my Diprobase cream and my steroid cream into my rucksack, along with my locket that has a picture of my family and Ben inside. Tinkerbell sprinkles pixie dust over me and I jump out of the window. The air catches me. We fly higher and higher. The clouds taste like candy floss. Peter shows me a somersault and I copy him clumsily. Meow, Peter says. Oh. I force my eyes open. Meow, meow, comes from my window. A shadow moves behind my purple curtains. I lift myself out of the bed and go to the window. Ben perches outside on the window ledge. I jump to reach the handle to let him into my room. Careful, how did you get up here? I ask, and he purrs in response. You don't like being locked in the kitchen, do you? You'd rather cuddle me. He jumps onto the floor, then onto my bed. He headbutts me until I tickle him behind his ear. I can't believe, out of all the cats in the world, I happen to have the best one. Time passes. Ben's asleep on my bed, his head tucked under his paw. I stop stroking him and rub cream on my hands. Everything I touch shines with oil, the zip of my violin case, the grip of my bow, my tuna. I draw a smiley face on the day marked Wednesday in my practice book and take out my sheet music. I look at Jupiter. How can a planet have a sound? It just hangs there in the solar system. My books, uh, my books say there's no sound in space. How can music even describe a planet? There aren't any words. Music without lyrics doesn't mean anything. I just want to learn the Harry Potter theme tune. I grate my bow across the strings in the tune of Jupiter. Powdered resin showers my wo the woodwork, attacking the varnish. Ben leaps off my bed and runs away. Time passes. I feel, film Ben asleep on my bed. Look at you there, all happy. I love you so much. But you know that already, I whisper. Ben's green eyes open as he purrs softly. I press my forehead to his and read his thoughts. He is happy, I know it. I should do my homework or something, but I don't. He needs me to help him down when he wants food. If he decides he needs food today. My skin itches and my eyes water. I touch his little paws, his toe beans. He lets me for once and keeps purring. I tickle him behind the ear. Time passes. Don't come into the living room, Mum shouts up the stairs. I miss my first period of school that day. It's only art. My teachers don't mind. Time passes. The splits in my skin are finally healing. I unzip my violin from its case and nestle it under my chin. I stand up, close my eyes and play Jupiter. The notes have a childish joy, a playfulness. The rhythm is the patter of Ben's feet. The rests are him leap leaping onto my bed. 
The crescendo is his death. The repeat is his memory. That is my memoir. So sad. <laughs> the cat. The cat died. <laughs> like well, yeah. the worst things ever is when like the dog or the cat dies, and you just brought that to the table today, Izzy. And I, I'm not That's sure how I feel right. about it. And I didn't mean to. I was going to write a piece because uh, the prompt had fingerprints in, mm. and I was thinking, oh, fingerprints. I've got a fingerprint sensor to unlock my phone, but it never works because my fingers keep changing because of my eczema, and if my hands are too dry, it won't work. So I thought, oh, I'm going to write a piece about expert. Then I realised that there isn't an arc there because I've always been okay with my eczema because I've had it since birth. So I've never really been that self-conscious about it or anything like that. It's only ever been a problem when it's hurt, like maybe if I struggled to hold a pen during exam time or something like that. But I thought I don't really want to write about that. Um, So I thought in relation what sets my eczema off a little bit and my other allergies off was always my cat. And so I thought that I'd write about the story arc of my cat, because obviously there's a natural story arc there, because um, he was, they, my parents got him just before I was born, and then obviously, as pets do, um, when I was like um, 13 or whatever, he died. And so um, I thought that's a story arc there, so that's a story arc that I can use. And then I can bring my eczema more subtly into it, because it's not really, eczema isn't really a big part of my life, it's just something that I occasionally would have to notice and treat, and mm. yeah. And also just like the sweetness and the love for your cat, even though the cat is causing the eczema in a way. So yeah. like, even though the cat makes it worse, it's okay because it's sort of unconditional love, which is really lovely. Yeah, because we, um, in my creative writing seminar, um, which Bella was in. Is this the one earlier? <laughs> this is the one earlier. So we were workshopping, um, we were workshopping the idea of when you do something that you know that you shouldn't. Um, and so we were asked to write a piece where we are doing something even though we know that we shouldn't but we're still justifying it to ourselves and still doing it anyway um, and so in that piece um, I sort of worked on this on this piece about eczema because I was thinking well I shouldn't be stroking my cat or cuddling my cat or anything like that because it's hurting me like the dermatologist is even saying we shouldn't even have a cat but also cats are lovely and you love is not. a justifiable motive Oh, that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> I also um, so so listeners can't see this because of our audio medium, but the way um, it's the way you're writing position on the page, rather, you were saying time pa- time passes. Yeah. Show, but um, when it's on the page, it's just kind of a load of paragraphs with like a little line to separate them, and that just looks it looks very artistic the way you read it. At, like it, you could very easily turn that into like a film or something if you want to do with the images. Yeah, I think that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it. I was writing it in prose, but I was thinking it of the images, and so I think that's why it's not very dialogue heavy. And I was thinking it mm. could be more of like a short film or something like that. But I wanted to write prose so I could use it in my creative writing. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, who did we say was next? I believe it was me. Aaron. Unless you want to go first, Bella. Uh, no, we, we can probably, because mine's quite sort of nostalgic as well, so I like okay. split up the, the sad nostalgic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> With some horror. With some horror. <laughs> spooky, spooky. Right, this is, this is another short film, but I've tried to write it better for an audio medium this time. Um, so we have two characters and the, the directions. Uh, Bella, would you mind playing Eve? I can play Eve, yeah. And Izzy, could you be Greta? Yes, please. Cool, okay. Um, 
I'm scared already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Exterior, the outskirts of the woods. Dawn. A bird flies across the sky. Greta watches it with a smile, sitting on a deck chair in front of a damp tent. She is young, barely old enough to leave home. Behind her, clothes are strung up on a temporary washing line stretched between two trees. Greta has clearly been living in nature for some time. The cuffs of her fraying jumper are held together by a thick layer of moss and mud. Ahead of her is a long road. The sun is rising behind it. A car car slows down and slows to a halt in front of her. Eve rolls down the window. You made the call? I was expecting a police car. I said, did you make the call? Do you have flashing lights? Greta smiles. There does not seem to be any intelligence behind it. Eve dismisses her as stupid and gets out the car. Not this one. For an early morning call like this, I took my own car. Does it make a noise? The noise? Oh, you mean sirens. No, it doesn't. But if you found what you say you have, I'll bring lots of noisy cars here. Greta bounces on her heels like a child. Eve's tone takes on a pat- Sorry, Eve's voice takes on a patronising note. Why don't you lead the way? I'd love to see what you found. Greta grins and walks into the woods. Eve sighs, zips up her coat against the cold morning air, and follows her. Exterior, the woods, dawn. Greta and Eve walk through the trees. You live near here? I go where the wind takes me. And it took you here? There are nicer woods. This place is more moss and dead wood than anything else. It's lonely out here. Sometimes the wind howls so sadly that you almost go mad. Eva's starting to look vaguely concerned. And you live here all alone? I have friends. Where are they? Greta gestures vaguely all around. Maybe you should come back to the station with me. We can have a nice cup of tea. We're here. They come to the edge of a large pit. It is at least twice the height of Eve and several metres wide. Holy... It's exciting, isn't it? Eve crouches on the edge of the pit. This has been dug out. Someone had far too much time on their hands. Maybe they were bored. Eve walks around the pit. Greta watches her. I heard three people have gone missing just this month. That's right. How did you hear about that? I got a newspaper out of bin by the hiking trail. Have you tried the hiking trail? Can't say I have. There are bluebells. Am I going to go missing? No, it won't happen to you. Eve looks at Greta, taking in her just chivalled appearance. What's your name? Greta. Eve crosses back around the pit to her. Do you know something about the missing people, Greta? Greta bites her lip and nods. What? He'll get angry if I tell you. Greta, look. He'll hurt people if he knows I told you. The three missing people. Did he? Yes. Eve crouches down to look Greta in the eye. She holds out a hand and Greta takes it. Eve tries not to cringe at the dirt under Greta's nails. Come with me to the station. I'll fix everything. How do I know I can trust you? Eve holds up the police badge. See this? This means that my job is to protect you. Greta takes the badge and traces over it with her fingers. Pretty. Eve is crouching a little too close to the edge of the pit. Greta lunges forward and pushes her. Eve falls backwards into the pit and lands heavily. Greta leans over the edge of the pit and smiles. All traces of childlike happiness are gone. Her smile is now stretched cruelly tight. She turns and walks away. Greta! Come back! Greta! Eve realises Greta is gone. She turns to examine the walls. They are made of packed dirt. She tries to pull herself up but cannot find a handhold. 
Her fingers leave shallow indents in the walls. As she looks around, she realises there are similar marks all along the pit. Something crunches under her foot. She digs her heel into the dirt to reveal it. There is something white under her boot. She backs away from the wall to get away from it. A bird flies over the pit. The sun is starting to rise. Ooh, <laughs> spooky. <laughs> so, with the prompt, you literally went with walls made of dirt, which is... I did. That's... I, like, I that's don't know. It's like, kind of unexpected. I quite like it. Yay. <laughs> I just love all the little details that you've put in. Like, you've put about, um, like, try not to cringe at the dirt under the nails and stuff like that. Like, I think that's such a good thing for, like, good details to put in the film, but even just good things for the actors to go off of as well. Mm. Like, when they come to pick up the script. That's really interesting. It also kind of reminds me of, um, has anyone ever read The Pit and the Pendulum by Edgar Allan Poe? No. So he wrote this short story, and it's about um, a man that's sort of trapped in a pit, and there's a pendulum slowly, like, moving closer but it's about to sort of kill him and it's slowly like sort of dropping and I feel like you've kind of done a similar thing with the sort of knowing that you're going to die in this pit but Mm. there's nothing that you can do so it's just wow I love the repeated image of the bird as well it reminds me of what was that horror film that we studied in screenwriting uh misery um it was the one where it taught us about um how to Tell the audience first if someone's going to get attacked by like a symbol, like a bird or something. Oh, oh, oh Alfred Hitchcock's the birds. That's the one. That one. That yeah, one. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because we were learning about how if you um, put something threatening in it at the start as like a little nod to the audience, saying, "Hey, someone's going to get hurt or this thing's yeah. going to happen," then that creates more suspense and stuff like that. And I think you've really built that in with the fact that. There's like the reveal of the pit. I think we know as soon as that pit comes, we know that one of the two of them is going to go in it. It's just about working out who it's going to be and the like. The sort of release when we find out that, yeah, it's Greta who's the, who's the killer. And the whole sort of mysterious character of he. Who is he? Mm. I I don't know if that is a he or if that's just Greta lying. Yeah, whether it's her lying know. or it's someone in her head or like Ooh, that saying, would be weird. Yeah, telling us to do things. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I really like horror. horror, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel doing horror then? If it's a genre that you haven't really seen them that much of, did it make it harder to write or could you kind of just join up the dots as to what's supposed to happen? Um, so I don't like horror, but I do like ghost stories. <laughs> And I know there's not that much of a difference between them, but to me that is. So, um, like, I, it's kind of a tradition in my house where my mum will buy me a book of ghost stories every Christmas, and they, they use that time of that type of thing where they'll, they'll be very short, um, but they'll rather than being kind of gory and horror-y, mm. um, they'll be vaguely unsettling, and um, okay. I guess that's what I was trying to do. Um, but but there's a uh, like the. Um, I forgot what it was called. Martin's Clothes. If anyone saw Martin's Clothes at Christmas. Um, no. It was a TV adaptation of a very famous uh, ghost story by uh, M.R. James, I think. Possibly. He's very famous um, for ghost stories. And it's it wasn't scary, and it got crit-ish. Well, it was scary for me, mm. but it, and it got criticised a lot for, like, oh, it's not scary, it's just creepy. 
but I like that. I preferred watching creepiness to scary. Oh, that's cool. There's also, I remember, so I'd like do a lot of scout leading and stuff like that. And I remember yeah. once I was leading, I think I was a young leader at the time, and I was leading for a scout camp. And we were doing campfire, um, like we'll do have a campfire every night and stuff like that. And I'll always run campfire songs with them and stuff. Um, and there was this one kid who was really into writing, but he wasn't that confident with it. So he'd sort of... But he he was really he wasn't that confident with it at the start. But he was really good at ghost stories, and he'd be able to tell really like creepy, inventive ones. And so, um, like by the end of it, we, we just like persuaded him to just, just tell ghost stories to like the other scouts at the camp. So we're all in the campfire circle, like traditionally, and he would just tell these amazing ghost stories, and that was really sweet. I loved watching him build comfort build up confidence with it because he was a great writer. And so scouts are tiny, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you two believe in ghosts? Ooh. I don't think so, but as soon as I say that, one's going to come, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I resolutely do not believe in them, but I have several friends who have now now promised that if they die first, they're going to haunt me to make me believe in them. Mm. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Do if, you, I do believe in ghosts, yes. Please yeah. don't add yourself to that list. <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like now you've kind of challenged me to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I'm superstitious, though. Or, like, in the way of, like, I wouldn't put an umbrella up indoors. I wouldn't, um... Or I wouldn't, like, cross someone on the stairs or anything like that. Only for those, like, weird superstitions. You can't cross someone on the stairs? I didn't realise until I came to uni that this, this was an only my house thing. Was okay. you can't cross someone on the stairs. So whenever one of us, were, like, one of my family would try and go up the stairs and another person also wanted to go down. Whoever was on the stairs first, or whoever's the biggest bully at the time, <laughs> would get to go <laughs> all the way up. So when I was taller than my brother, obviously I always got right of passage on the stairs and he would have to back down even if he started coming up. Uh, I think now it's a little bit the other way around because he's taller, although I am stronger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, should we move on to Bella's piece? Um yeah, uh, I wrote a poem, um, so I kind of used poetry as a genre rather than mm. a specific sort of like fantasy horror kind of genre. Um, so yeah, um, I have a poem, <laughs> which is a little bit, <laughs> it's, it's a bit shorter than the usual uh, prose that I write. Okay. One morning alone in the midst of the fray, in the flame of the sun, in the yellow of the day. We cooked tomatoes, drunk peaches, surrendered our knights and our kings and our speed and the grey and inconceivable things, took our wine so much sweeter, took our sleep so much deeper, bought baby coffee for a euro apiece, knew a place and a lyric for our every caprice, drove with our ear on the wheel and our hands on our chest, said goodbye to the east and the north and the west, tucked our feet in the soil, wished on liquor and light, counted toads in the water and oleanders white. One afternoon, alone, I sold my piano, switched it for plastic books and electric tobacco, surrendered to the white noise, spoke to it, danced with it and asked out to dinner, swallowed all of its grease until it made me a sinner, said stop, let me hike up my skirt, let's take off our skin and go play in the dirt. Suddenly, with so many crimes to be complicit in and so many shows, beds to be explicit in, so many ways to scream out in the abyss, so many ways to give in to the bliss. And yet it's always you, yellow day, that I miss. One night, alone, on the Marylebone tube, train tracks lit like hot wires, oiled and cuppered anew, 
Those hands scrubbled upwards in the ash, in the grime, in the flower, in the rain, in the sod and the lime. And for an hour at most, I thought just maybe I'd die, that I'd take a great leap, that I'd learn how to fly, that I'd see Kathmandu, Sugarloaf and Versailles. But the train trundled on like a big silver slug. I stumbled blind in the dusk, a writhing brindle June bug, going back once again to the same whistle stop, to the same pill bottle, to the same rooftop, always a return ticket, no intention to stay. Take me back, please, Dad, to that young yellow day. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs> I could listen to your poetry all day. Thank you very much. How long did that take you to write? Um, I read that yesterday. Um, I think over a few hours. I finished it off like the last few lines today. Um, You've literally thought through every single word. Like there's not a single word out of place or like a word that could be, there's not like a single weak link or anything like that. Like I don't know how you've done that in a couple of hours. I just, I really, really enjoy writing poetry. I feel like it's something, I feel like poetry is something especially that you write for yourself. So it's really easy to write because it's sort of a very, it's a very self-indulgent thing, I feel. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like even though it's really personal to you, I feel like it was still like we still knew what was going on and like knew like could recognize and stuff like that, like all of the images and where you were and like the emotions in it. I just thought that was really yeah. I feel like I'm kind of at that age where I'm struggling with the idea of growing up and I'm kind of mm. want to go back to when things were a lot easier and you could sort of just be with your parents and everything was very like very very smooth and 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 lovely and I feel like I've been writing a lot of poems recently sort of like about the nostalgia of being in the, on like this hot summer day somewhere just like playing chess or going out for coffee whereas now everything feels like everything has to go at like 100 miles an hour and it's so like so different um so yeah I kind of trying to capture that kind of thing um yeah definitely i also like how you've taken back in that little nod there you've taken back the word white noise yes <laughs> um, my poetry has been called white noise in the past and at first i was i thought i was supposed to be offended i was kind of like oh maybe it's doesn't make sense maybe no one gets it maybe it's just meaningless because it's white noise um, and now I seem to always bring up the words white noise in every single poem that I do because I'm kind of like, no, I want to own the fact that it's white noise. Like, it might be meaningless to the people listening to it, but I, it's always meaningful to me. So it's my white noise, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm owning the white noise. I'm surrendering to the white noise. I always put that phrase, surrender yeah. to the white noise, just because I, I feel like poetry is so personal. It's like, just listen to it. I don't... If you don't understand it, that's okay. Surrender to the white noise. The think, yeah. Oh, sorry, Erin, you go. I think you're one of the only, like, one of the few people who actually understands poetry. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> in, in terms of, like, I, yeah, I, I would write poetry, but, like, when you, I, I, it takes me a while to write a poem that I actually think really means something. Like, I, th I think, um... If I'm writing poetry, like, I really struggle to get all of the right words and it's kind of, like, something that I have to... Um, so sometimes I can just do it if I'm, like, on the train or, like, feeling something, I can just, like, write it out. But other times, if you sort of told me right now to write poetry, it would be, like, very, like, forced and I'd have to, like, place it. Whereas I feel like it comes a little bit more naturally to you. I feel like uh, what's always quite helpful with writing poetry, and not always with all poetry, because... Um, 
a lot of the poems I write don't rhyme. Um, mm. But when you're sort of reading poetry aloud, it always flows a little bit better, like sort of in this auditory sense, if there's rhymes, it sort of has a beat then. Yeah. And I feel like with a lot of the poetry I've written lately, it's sort of reading it aloud and feeling sort of the rhythm of it. It mm. always sort of helps. Um, also, music really helps. I, I like pick particular soundtracks to write poetry to because I want it to sort of um, elicit a sort of emotion from me. So I'll pick different oh, that's, genres yeah. of music. Um, I also like writing outside, but it's really difficult to do that right now. Yeah, that's fair. So cold. I, I think I did some eco-poetry in my first year, and I wrote most of that outside because like, <laughs> it's the only way to do it. But I think also the difference between... Um, I don't know like how much poetry you write, Erin, but I know the difference between mine and Bella's poetry is that when I wrote poetry, I'd like do it for... like I would try to have some elements of some kind of like Shakespeare, like I might write a sonnet or something like that, and some kind of like element from the past kind of thing, and then compare that with the present and how... Um, to see how that's different but like I feel like your poetry is like very much in the like in your own like timeline and your own presence which I just thought was cool I um one of so one of the other things that I feel like um was another reason it got called white noise is because my poetry is quite um it's not usually very radio friendly it's kind of a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of uh like sort of shouting into the into the void or like <laughs> being angry at things or being sad about things and yeah, it's not very radio-friendly at all, and I like to write sometimes to shock. Um, mm. So um, earlier on, like, in the week when you were asking <laughs> me to provide poetry for the Instagram, I was like, yes, no problem, I'll find some. Looked through all of, like, my archives of poetry and went, none of these are appropriate. <laughs> none of them. Like, I don't know what to give to Izzy because I can't, like, I can't, I can't contribute to the Instagram because it's just, it's just not, it's not radio-friendly at all. <laughs> Um, well done yeah. for, for restraining yourself yeah, from, I did from have that to, out of the, into the void. I did say I did send a message earlier this week. Izzy, can I say this? <laughs> no, Bella, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. So um, I did actually put a little a little bit in there that was kind of like, well, I don't care, and I put a, a sort of um, so many shows and beds to be explicit in because because yeah. you said that if I included certain things, it'd be explicit, and I was like, well. I don't think that I should be censored. So, so I put a little "God damn it" in the poem. Thanks for that, Bella. You're welcome. So I believe onto our writing discussion. I believe Erin has a topic. Oh yeah. So um, the topic I was I was thinking about was what is the first piece of writing you guys can remember doing that you were genuinely really proud of. You're all looking at me, so <laughs> my first writing that I was proud of. So the first, so basically, when me and my brother were little, my dad would always read us stories from head. Uh, so he'd just make up stories from his childhood. Um, I say make up, like so, so real stories from his childhood. He'd sort of tell us, and it would be like a little secret. Like if Mum came in, he'll stop talking. So he'd say, "Ah, oh, she can't know how naughty I was as a kid," and it would just be about him making tree houses in the woods and stuff like that, and playing with his friends. Um, and so I think I sort of took that, and 
I started, um, and I started when I got a little bit older, telling my little brother um, stories about um, about us going on adventures. So it'll be Isabel and Nathan's stories, um, and it'll be um, me, him, and all of our cousins. Um, we all have like some sort of little superpower kind of thing, and what would happen is we'll just be sitting down doing nothing in particular or sort of hanging out a little bit and at the most inconvenient convenient time our tornado will come and take us away to the next adventure um so we'll be trapped in this tornado and it'll take us to some sort of land so i think the first one was bubble land and um and we'd have to sort out the problems that are going on there. And Nathan always really loved them. So he would always, like, every night he'd ask me to do them and be like, come on, it's about Nathan stories and be ch- chanting it. So I'll tell them to him. Um, I only have half of one recorded. So oh. those are into the void of memories. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was what I was proud of because I could see, I think that's why I like writing because I, I could see how happy they made him. Um, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think? Like, that is just adorable. <laughs> <laughs> That's your first thing you're proud of. That's so sweet. Yeah. That's well, very, very cute. Um, I've, my, as when I first sort of got into writing, it was actually poetry. And um, I was six. I think I was six. It was year two in uh, primary school. And um, basically, uh, my teacher at the time, uh, Mrs. Williams, uh, she kind of sort of spotted that I was really enjoying reading and writing sort of <laughs> in the corner a lot. Um, and so during, like, the time when everyone would go to the playground, she sort of introduced me to poetry and started to get me, me to write poetry. Um, and it was silly little rhymes, like, I, I would write little comedic little poems that would be like, uh, I went to the beach and I went in the sea, but don't tell anyone, I did a little wee or something like that. <laughs> like, really, like, some really, 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 like, childish ones, but... <laughs> Um, and I really enjoyed myself, and she would, she was really, really encouraging. And um, she would sit with me sort of every sort of break or lunch, and I ended up making my mum a little poetry book for Mother's Day. Um, and I got really excited because I hadn't told her that this was my new thing, that, like, I was going to write poetry, and I, that was when I decided I wanted to be a poet or a writer or something like that. Um, so my sort of dreams and passions and hopefully future career was all down to Mrs. Williams. So just a little shout out. <laughs> Thank you so much. Aww. What about yeah. you, Erin? Um, probably. So I, the first story I, I can remember writing that I didn't have to write for school um, was a very, very bad one um, <laughs> about mermaids, which I wrote, I think I was about nine or ten. Aww. Really, really young. But... Um, I couldn't type, so I hand I hand wrote it in a little like A5 notebook, and I think it was like several pages of A5. So it was the longest thing I'd ever written. And um, what I what I used to do, um, I, so I put my friends into it to kind of be like, "Hey, you're in my book." But um, it it was more just stealing their names and their appearance and putting them into my story. Nice. Um, but it was kind of, and I kind of did that a bit more in secondary school, like writing friends of stories of my friends in them to tell my friends that they were in it but um it was such a bad story i was i was so young and it was so awful but i was so proud of it oh that's really (laughs) cute so sweet when did you all decide right i want to be a writer um yeah it probably was in well 
in that sort of year two class, but also um, I did kind of lose my way after a while um, in secondary school. And I actually went to a different university to study sort of um, geochemistry and geophysics <laughs> and geography. And I wanted to sort of go into some sort of science. Um, and then I dropped out of that university <laughs> and I realized I wanted to be a writer since I was six. So I feel like there were two moments where I realized, no, I want to be a writer and came to Warwick to study English and creative writing. So, yeah, two epiphanies. Yeah. What about you, Erin? Um, I know I wanted to be a teacher for a while. Okay. And then I got put off it. But um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember in year six, we had to when we were doing our leaves of assembly, we had to write down what we wanted to be, and I just mm. had writer under mine, and that was the only thing I put. It's just an innate, <laughs> I'm going to be a writer. I don't know what I'm going to write, but it will be something. <laughs> well, an Uber driver this morning, like, they, they asked asked me, like, what, what do you study? And I said, English literature. And he said, what do you want to be? And I said, a writer. And he went, what kind of writer? And I was just sort of, I don't know, I just want to write stuff. Like, I don't care what it is. <laughs> just something. <laughs> I've had people, um, I had someone... Um, it, was, it was when I was getting my shopping and the girl who was working at the checkout who was scanning my stuff kind of went, oh, so what do you study? And I said, English and theatre. She goes, so what are you going to do with that then? I'm like, great, thank I you. Don't know, oh, the I confidence. don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My moment that I realised that I wanted to be a writer was basically, so I think it was in year three or year two or something like that, my parents were called in after school because my, um, I think it was like pre-sats or like the sort of tests that you do in year two or year three. They were, I think it was my maths or something like that, was really, really weird. And apparently instead of writing about um, what we were supposed to write, I just wrote about the story of this like, I, I just wrote about a story about a girl who, I don't know, something happens to her. And so, yeah, instead of a test, I just wrote a story in the exam. Um, <laughs> and what it turned out to be is we realised, because in one exam I did that, in another exam I was, like, did all right in it. And so what we realised was that on the day that I did the weird thing was the day that I'd taken some antihistamines. And, like, because I take antihistamines, and then the other day I'd forgotten to take my antihistamines. And so we realised that I get the effect of, like, um, I think drowsiness is a common side effect of antihistamines. Mm. And so, yeah, so we basically figured out that the antihistamines were making me go crazy. Um, so I, I changed it. I, I changed antihistamines. But my teacher, because she didn't really want to, show, to have it as a telling me off kind of thing, she just basically said, oh, um, but she's very creative. I think she should be a writer. <laughs> and of course, instead of taking that as a, she's hedging the fact that I did awful in my exam, I took that as a, okay, Miss Sparks, I mean, I'm sure Miss Sparks does believe in me, but I took that to mean that I should definitely go and be a writer. So thank you, Miss Sparks. Yeah, Miss Sparks and Mrs. <laughs> Williams, they just had our backs. They knew, they knew what we were meant to be. We, we exactly. believe in you, is he? <laughs> yeah. And so, so apparently do the followers of this show. Yeah. We have quite a few now. I know, Instagram's doing really well. I'm quite impressed with that. So exciting. Thank yeah. you, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us. Yeah. So we are coming towards the end of our show. Cry, cry, cry. Cry, cry, cry. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> It's a, it has been quite a sad show. Our pieces have been quite... They haven't been... Apart from... Well, the horror's been quite dark, so we still got yeah. our dark. And then both of us were just sad. You all had think. bits of happiness and then you just destroyed them. Yeah, I destroyed the happiness. 
Um, but then again, the prompt that we're gonna do for next. Oh week yeah, I need to remember the prompt this time. Be a little bit more comedic. What um, is the prompt, Bella? Bella's doing prompts. <laughs> I'm do I'm doing the prompt this week uh, again because my housemates have said some incredibly interesting <laughs> things this week. Um, again, some of them not very radio friendly, but we're going with one of them that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of them are going on a year abroad uh, next year, and they're going to I think it's Utrecht in Holland. Okay. So they've been learning uh, Dutch on Duolingo, <laughs> but they've not been doing very well. So they went out one night and they came back and they said that they basically got quite deliriously drunk. And apparently they were... <laughs> so this is the prompt. We were speaking in Dutch, but we don't actually know any Dutch. That's the prompt. Nice. <laughs> what were they saying? <laughs> apparently they were just saying the words children and women so they were just calling people children and women they were going around and in dutch saying to people child woman just like that okay the only two words they knew and sandwich sorry sandwich was another one (laughs) all right all right so that's interesting so that's the prompt we (laughs) were see what genres we draw we were speaking in dutch but we don't know any dutch nice okay we'll sort out we'll like randomly assign genres after the show um, so I guess, yeah, I'm going to say my thank you. So, uh, Bella, you would have missed it. Oh, you would have heard it. Um, we now say thank you to where the prompt came from. So I'm going to say, in, in the thank you, so I'm going to say thank you to the Underground Station and to Bella for writing that thing down. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to London Maribyrn Tube Station. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to say thanks so much for listening. Um, for more prompts and writing, go to our Instagram, which is Prompted Original Writing. If you want writing advice or want to share your responses to any of our prompts, just DM us or um, reply in a comment or something like that. You can find us on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, many more. We're on about nine platforms at the moment, which is doing amazing. Um, Thank you to Raw1251AM for hosting us. And thanks again, everyone, for listening.